Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Before we begin today's episode, we just wanted to let you know that this show was recorded in front of a live audience at GP Vegas. So that's going to explain some of the audio differences between our normal episode. Now, we're talking about adjusting to new metas. We have awesome guests like Cassius Marsh from the Seattle Seahawks and Mel Lee, formerly of the Wizards Story Team. One thing to note is we recorded this a few weeks ago, so some of the information later in the episode may be a little bit out of date. We've learned some stuff about Commander 2017 since this recording, so obviously don't let that throw you. And I wanted to give a great big shout out to Jimmy, who has his new Disney XD show called Polaris Primetime, which was premiering this Saturday, July 15th at 9 p.m. Pacific Time, and they'll have new episodes every Saturday for the next seven weeks. It's a variety gaming show with lots of special guests across the TV and the YouTube world and professional athletes. We hope that you'll tune in to check it out and support Jimmy. We're very proud of him here at the Command Zone. All right, having said all that, on to the episode. Greetings, humans. You have entered the Command Zone, your destination for all aspects of Elder Dragon Highlander. Enjoy your stay. It's a duel of the fates. It is the duel of the fates. I thought it was fitting. Darth Maul was the coolest dude. Why do you have to die? Spoiler alert. <laughs> How's it going, everybody? You are watching live in person an episode of the Command Zone podcast. I'm your host, Jimmy Wong. How's it? It's Josh Lee Kwai. And we have a very special guest today. We got Cassius Marsh up in here. What's up, everybody? It's good. Yeah. <laughs> wow, hold up. Cash, you got a more applause than the rest of us. Yeah, what happened? <laughs> I don't know, man. People love you. But we have a sign. Yeah, uh, that's true. Yeah, you guys do have a sign. I <laughs> First, we'd like to give a big thank you to Channel Fireball for getting us all out here for Grand Prix Vegas. You guys like Grand Prix Vegas so far? We concur. Uh, this is a new one for us. If you're listening at home, the audio quality is going to be way different because we are doing this in front of a live, I don't know, 80 people right now, which is freaking awesome. And we're going to be doing a ton of giveaways. All that stuff on that table in front of you is going to be going to you, all the watchers. Okay, so, um, yeah, let's start with the main topic. But before we do, we have to talk about our awesome sponsor, cardkingdom.com slash command zone. They are the best place to buy all of your singles. They get you your stuff as fast as humanly possible. In fact, 
I heard from a lot of people who ordered their cards to get them in time for this GP. I was one of those, and they oh. came in a very timely fashion so that I could crush Cassius later at Never. EDH. Never. Wow. Never. You know, Cassius is the person that played turn three Ugin on us. I don't think you're crushing anything yeah. anytime soon, Josh Lee Kwai. It was wishful thinking. <laughs> anyway, cardkingcom slash command zone. Obviously, you all out here know about it. Everyone at home knows about it, too. Also a sponsor of the show, Ultra Pro. Thank you, Ultra Pro, for providing what is the absurd amount of product to give away to you all. And they provide all of the giveaways for our Game Nights episodes. And they just make a ton of magic product. You cannot go anywhere in the magic world without seeing Ultra Pro. So they're sponsors of the show as well. And we are always indebted to them for being so generous so that we can be generous to you all. And the final way to sponsor or contribute to the show is directly via our Patreon at patreon.com slash command zone. Do we have any patrons out there in the audience? Yeah. Woo. Big hand for all our patrons. In fact, we dedicate every episode of the show to one lucky patron. And this episode is dedicated to Grant, Grant Woo. Is he here? Very small here, percentage Grant? chance that Grant's out there because <laughs> it is randomly selected. But Grant... You rock. Thank yeah. you, Grant. All right, let's move on to the main topic. And this is something that's I'm, I'm glad, Cassius, you're here because adjusting to a new meta is literally what we had to do when you came in and played on the Game Nights episode because we had no idea what kind of player you were, what kind of deck you were going to build. But this is a, sort of a thing that I think all of us do on a constant basis, which is like sometimes you join a new group for the first time or it's the beginning of a new weekly game night with your friends. But it's scary to start playing with new people. So we're going to talk about some things to help everyone uh, and everything in your playgroups stay nice and smooth and no one yelling at each other and making friends. No one making friends? Everyone making friends, right. no one yelling. So we sort of narrowed this down. There's like two types of playgroups, right, that you're joining for the first time. It's an existing group of people, then you're the new person. Or there's the whole group is kind of new, like at the GP. Like behind us, has anybody been playing EDH at the tables behind us? Awesome. All right. So that's a lot of times oh, just man, a I bunch of people wait. and maybe you know one or two. I'm saying I can't wait to play some commander later. That's what I'm saying. That's you can get to play with this dude behind us after this show. Bring your A game. That's all I'm going to say. Bring yeah. your A game. I show no mercy. No mercy. <laughs> if you've watched him play football, you know that's true. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we're going to start with joining an existing group. And this could be a group that's sort of like a house group or a group that meets regularly at your LGS. And I know we hear from a lot of people who, it's a nervous situation the first time you're coming in and playing with new people. Um, you don't know sort of the tenor or the dynamic. And we just want to go through some steps to maybe smooth that out for everybody involved from both sides. Yeah. So what do you think is important, Jimmy, when? Well, this is the what this will be said the entire time, but communication is key. So like even before the game, when you sit down or you're when you're, you arrive at the place to play, get an idea of the power level of the deck. So like, hey Cassius, deck wise, what's your power level? Like one to ten. Ten being nuts. With like what deck? Whatever deck you're gonna play in your first game back there. It's, I'm probably gonna if if I can make it, so it's gonna be on ten every time. Straight ten, ten every time. <laughs> Well, the nice thing is that if you know that, you're going to be also bring your 10 deck. If the person says, oh, it's like a five, it's a tribal jank thing that I just built, or it's not even sleeved, then you'll know not to bring out your storm combo, whatever, because you want, you want to engender as positive of a play experience as possible. So making sure that you communicate with everyone around the table, and when you also do this, you do a favor to everyone that's sitting down there, because 
normally if this question isn't asked and it's sort of like, oh, well, hope when I flip over my commander, it's all just going to be fine when we play the game. But when you ask the question and that person answers, everyone knows, and then everyone can also contribute their answers, and everyone can bring a deck that they think is going to make the best game. Yeah, setting expectation is key. And I would also say aim a little low, I've learned, the first time. So a lot of people are, you're going to come to the table and you're like, what is the power level 1 to 10? And people are going to say 7. 7 doesn't necessarily mean the same thing to everybody. I like to go like, okay, if anything, I'm not going to pull out of my 8. I'm going to lean towards my 6. Uh, because it's a little better to be, you know, if you throw away the first game, not a big deal. But if you come out and you accidentally stasis lock the table, <laughs> <laughs> whoops. Yeah. Aiming low is nice. Um, I like to start out like especially when I sit down on the new table today, especially, or yesterday especially, meet a lot of new people. I always like to, you know, ask them where they're from, obviously ask them their name, ask them just like three or four questions about the, everybody at the table. You get to talking. Yeah. The game starts happening. You know, you become friends faster. It just makes the experience that much more um, enjoyable to me. Yeah, icebreakers are very easy in Magic the Gathering because you can just start off with, like, who are you playing? Why do you like this deck? It's not like... Hey, where are you from, or whatever? You know, like it's very easy to ask someone a question about a magic thing and then go on a magic conversation. The next point we have down is play nice. So I, I said accidentally stasis lock earlier. No, don't play a deck with stasis in it as your first deck in the play group. That doesn't mean never play a stacks deck. Of course, I, I like those playing those decks, we know. But just not your first game with them because you want to come in and see what the situation's like before you sort of go there. And a lot of playgroups are fine with that type of deck. I just, starting there can get you into trouble. You can get there. And again, a lot of people want to come into a playgroup and they want it to be, they want it to be the way that they like right away. You can sort of affect that, but if you try and do it suddenly, that's sometimes where you run into problems. So yeah. we hear from a lot of people who are like, I'm playing with this group for the first time, and they get mad whenever I cast a counter spell. What do I do? And it's like, well, it's the first time you played with them. Like, wait a little while. You might bring them around to understanding that counter spells are okay. And if not, <laughs> are they? Counter spells are definitely okay. <laughs> I'll keep that in mind. <laughs> but along, along that point, our final point here is go with the flow. So, you know, even if someone in the group is playing stacks, even if someone is counter spell heavy, try to avoid the complaining route of things. Like, don't come into an existing group and be like, hey, you shouldn't do that. Hey, you shouldn't do X, Y, and Z. You know, there's a reason that the group is playing together and they've established their own dynamic. And it's a good thing to go with the flow and not try to bring in your own personal opinion in a way that's going to disrupt it, in a way that's destructive. I think that goes both ways with, like, the, if you're coming into, like, if you do choose to play, like, that level 8, 9, 10 deck in a group like that and... Uh, you win the first game handsomely and you're just, you know, you play the same deck in the next game, like, expect hate. That's something <laughs> that I had to uh, adjust to because I, I play, you know, I play these kind of decks and, like, the next game everybody would just <laughs> kill all my permanents. It was just, like, me versus the world and I would get, you know, you get a little bit salty. There's some salt. Yeah. And, uh, and so I just had to learn, learn to, like, go with the flow type thing like you, like you guys were saying, so... Yeah, be tolerant, especially like I, I played a game with a new group uh, a few weeks ago and I asked the power level question at the start and I think they said seven and I pulled out what I thought was a seven. We played. My deck was a little too powerful for that situation and, and after the game I was like, okay, sorry guys, uh, I was wrong. That my deck's a little bit maybe 
my levels are off, so let me change decks. And I was, you know, apologetic about it. And they were apologetic. They were like, oh, sorry, maybe we went five or six. And everybody reacted to that situation correctly. Like, everyone was tolerant of what happened. Nobody went, you said seven. You played a nine, dude. Like, it's the first time. The barometers are going to be a little off. Go with the flow. Be a little bit tolerant. And also, like, that's what makes an EDH group a fun one, right? The second game being like, ho-ho, Cassius, let's just target him because of all, you know, he did X, Y, and Z in the first game. That's happened in this group, I'm sure, a thousand times already. And going with the flow is like, sure, I mean, like, if you want to kind of be arch enemy for a game, then that's kind of fun sometimes, too, as long as you're willing to go with it and not complain, not be like, why are you guys doing this, blah, 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 blah. You know, it's always better to have an open mind as to what's happening. And I think having one or two people have that mentality is going to make everyone else slowly rise to that same level of being open to change, open to whatever's happening. As soon as you start getting toxicity and negativity in a group, it's going to, it's like the dark side. It's very attractive to get negative about stuff, to get dark about stuff, and it's very infectious as well. Not, don't play infect, by the way. But you know, you'll find that if you are open, you're gonna make other people open around you. If you are closed-minded, you're going to actually engender that with people around you as well. Yo, okay. this sandcastle right here is like every Cali kid's dream. I just had to say this. This <laughs> sandcastle right here, if you're from California, I guarantee at some point in your life you thought, hey, why don't I build like giant pyramids and like just like this crazy thing, right? He's doing it. I don't know how he's doing it. You're cool, man. Also, <laughs> he had to witness it as it got destroyed yesterday so he could build a new part of it. Very cool. Well, yeah, you know, everything happens for a reason. It'll probably yeah. be that much better. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on to the uh, sort of other kind of group, which is a pickup group, a group of entirely new players that don't know each other. Or maybe, like, two people in that group know each other, but most people are not acquainted. Yeah. Um, in this situation, sometimes you'll be at a GP or something like this, and I think the first question to sort of ask yourself and maybe ask the group is like, what's the goal of that group? If it's to win prizes at an event, then, then I think that's a sort of a separate category, right? Like if you're playing for prizes at an event, oh, no, you you're just trying no to win that yeah, game. You gotta win the game, yeah. 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 Make all the best plays, oh my gosh. Play your best deck. Gotcha. Yeah, play Armageddon or whatever. That's yeah. like, everybody has to know if there's Attracts prizes involved, whatever's allowed to win, you. People are going to do that. Yeah. I think that should be where the expectation is to avoid sort of saltiness over certain effects and things like that. The salt. Yeah. But a lot of times you're just playing in a group like we're going to do later, which is there's no prizes on the line. It's just commander. Uh, or like at, who was who at our gathering on Thursday night? <laughs> All right. Huh? So like that event, there was nothing on the line. We were just playing for fun. And I think going in and again communication is key here i was playing for honor I don't yeah know you all, but. <laughs> and i saw people doing this and it just one of the best things right just people naturally do this it's like okay what's everybody playing what's the power level of your decks what are we trying to do here and the goal is almost always for everybody to have fun yeah and i think that makes a huge difference when it's like look you everyone was i've seen this happen a lot of times too everyone pulls their commander out and someone sees like oh you're a brand new player i'm not gonna play this infinite on turn three deck and they just take the deck back and replace it too like so knowing the goal and i think oftentimes the goal of having fun is these <laughs> that's what it should be with yeah, commander no, absolutely and i think also like to that point um oh, hold on a second i gotta stop gideon came holy cow gideon is here gideon. what G gideon come on flex you can't gideon. don't hide gideon gideon, gideon. Listen, yeah. everybody, can you come, can you oh, come no, out? You gotta come can you come out? Right no, here. come on. We have a come Game on. Night superstar. We have one of the Knights from Game oh, Night. didn't even recognize her. Hey. hey. Mel Lee as oh, Gideon. Gideon. 
Nice. Hiding over there. Look at this. Mel, come on up. This cosplay is amazing. That? Oh, yeah. Can we Mel. pull that mic? Mel, I don't want to put you on the spot, but can you come guest on our show? This is right here. This is episode six of Game Nights. Yeah. Wait, wait. Who won? Not me. Who won that game? I don't remember. It wasn't me. Mel, over here. Perfect. Oh, she's got a draft to get back to, so we're just going to talk to her real quick here. I, Everybody I just got to say, though, I just had the sweetest flavor win where I just burned my opponent to death with War Leader Helix, and I was just like, yeah, that's possible play. Did you, flex real, did you flex as hard as possible? Oh, I should have. <laughs> this is the cutest mini shield I've ever seen in my life. Look at this thing. It's like the size of my head. But it's a, oh, this Boros. Oh, my gosh. Mel. Quick aside, how long have you been cosplaying for? Um, I've been cosplaying since uh, 2011. So um, I actually used to work in a lab, and I had to hide this from my employer. <laughs> and uh, I was at a Dragon Con once, which is this big convention in, um, in Atlanta. And uh, my boss came down there, and he saw me in costume. And I'd never seen him like outside of the workplace, too. And I freak out, and I'm like, Craig, what the hell are you doing here? And he's like, oh, I came to see all the freaks, and then just stares at me in the face. Oh. Like, so here I am today in costume and working in games. So Craig? Such is life. That is not how you join a pickup group, by the way. You don't say, like, I'm here to beat all the freaks. That's, that's not what you do. <laughs> <laughs> so, um... Mel, do you want, have you, you've been listening for just a little bit over there. Do you have any advice to people who are joining a new group? In fact, Mel was in the same situation. We had not played with her very, yeah. very much before uh, game nights, and we played with her a few times now. How do you approach going into a new group? Oh, man. So um, I think with Commander especially, you get a huge spread of who's playing what. So you got to know the power level of your playing group. And I think it's, it's usually a good idea to be like, hey, do we have any house rules? Like, I've got oh, this point. one play group that house just cannot rules. stand, uh, like, deck searches and tutors. And they're like, all right, listen, we're going to look at, like, the first five cards of the deck. But after that, like, you're not going to be rifling through, like, 100 cards. So, um, yeah, I'd say, like, you know, just uh, find a cool group of friends that you all agree on how you want to play. Just, like, maybe set out some rules if you want to. And uh, I don't know, just... People who are uh, fun to be around. Yeah. I just want to say that that rule is blasphemous. <laughs> <laughs> no searching. Because tutors are live. <laughs> How do you fetch land? Yeah. Fetch lands as well. That's true. Yeah, that's Evolving wilds is too powerful. <laughs> so back to uh, our topic here of joining a, a pickup Thank group, you. a group of people that don't know each other. I would also say an important thing is for expectations is like, if you have a time constraint, that can happen a lot of times, right? I only have an hour, right? I want to play a commander game, but I only have an hour, guys. I like to say that right up front. I only have an hour. Can we play a little bit fast? If we can't, that's fine. I just can't play in this game. And most people will be like, okay, that's totally fine. And then during the game, you know, since you've set that expectation, you can sort of gently remind at times, like, I, I'm going to have to go in a little bit, so let's just, let's just keep moving. Even if you don't make the optimal play or think out your sequencing quite correct, it's better to, to just keep moving so we can get this game done. So... Um, that's another thing I think that people don't, they fail to mention and then they sort of get frustrated, but they haven't told anybody that they need to go. And so you're like, dude, why are you getting so frustrated? Well, I have to go in 10 minutes. Okay, yeah. why didn't you say that earlier on? That's true. And I think playing expediently and not, I mean, I think one of the biggest feel-bads of, of Commander is when you pass the turn to someone and then you go like, well, I'm going to look at my phone because I know so-and-so is going to take about 20 minutes before <laughs> he finishes his turn or she finishes her turn. And so I think 
you know, try to avoid those situations. Do like, you know, listen to our episode on playing faster. And in general, the more games you can fit in, the more you're going to learn about the group, the more you're going to have different fun situations. And there are also going to be more winners, right? If you play four games and have four winners, it's way better than playing one super long game that's drawn out and only having one winner. And then two people are knocked out half the time. All right. So, Jimmy, you've written down some general notes on meeting new people. Yeah. This is something I think in our community that's tough because a lot of Magic players are a little bit more introverted. And, you know, uh, I think a lot of us can feel awkward in social situations. So I think there's, these are some great things to remember. Yeah, I mean, meeting new people can be really intimidating. And it's just something in general I think humans and people growing up in this day and age are getting worse and worse at because we're so much more on our phones, on the internet, and not being in public or just, you know, putting ourselves in situations where we do meet new people. So here are some quick tips. Uh, my first one, it rhymes, a smile goes a mile. So first impressions psychologically are very, very powerful. Uh, there's a lot of studies that show that when someone sets a first impression of someone, that actually lingers. In a, it takes a ton to reset that. You know, Let's say you meet someone and they're really rude and it's the first time you meet them. Even if they're absurdly kind the next time you meet them and it was just a bad situation, that first impression lasts a long, long time. So a smile does go a long way. I mean, entering a conversation in a jovial mood, just something, being nice, not having any like pretense going into a, a conversation or just meeting someone can make a huge difference because that first impression will last a long time. So just make sure that you remember that. When you first meet someone, that moment, that impression they have of you is going to last. You know, Cash, I've seen a lot of people come up to you at this event, obviously. Oh, you're, yeah. For one, you're like six foot four, I don't know, 250 or something, so you stand out in the sleeves. So people will spot you from far away and I'll see them beeline for you. And I think, <laughs> I've seen you use this next strategy quite a bit. Ask a ton of questions. It's just I'm, an yeah. icebreaker, right? You meet somebody new and I think it can be awkward because you don't know what to say, well. Yeah, I think, like, I ask some questions because a lot of times they have a lot of questions to ask at first. So I'll ask like two questions and then the conversation just stalls out. I'll ask them again, like, hey, where are you from? Like, what deck are you playing? Are you playing yeah. Legacy? Are you playing Modern? Are you playing EDH? Oh, you like to play EDH. Who's your favorite commander? Like, do you watch Command Zone? <laughs> <laughs> Dang, Answer's dude. Thanks for the reference. Yes. That's a good Answer's one. Answer is probably yes. But, yeah, yeah, just ask a ton of questions because, you know, there's always that awkward stall moment when, you know, the first initial, like, first initial conversation happens yeah. and then it's just, like, crickets for a couple <laughs> of seconds. So. I think people think that's just them, right? They think, like, I think a lot of people out there think, like, oh, I always feel awkward in a conversation. Like, that's just you. No, that's everybody. Everybody, that happens. That happens to me. It happens to Jimmy. And the way to sort of get through that is there's momentum to a conversation. And yeah. asking questions can sign it. Just get it rolling until you find one thing to latch onto that'll just make it easy from that point. Mel, how do you approach meeting new people at conventions and things? Yeah, um, I mean, I, I love conventions because, I mean, you can, you can really see people who are it, like really passionate about what they're doing. So it's really easy to start up a conversation because like we're all here because we love magic, we love to play, we love to hang out with each other. So we already know we've got something in common. And uh, I just want to add to the, uh, like the EDH thing and just say like, EDH has to be my favorite way to start to meet people because it's a deck that I'm really familiar with. So then when I get to you know playing with people, I, I know all my combos and I'm like, all right, like this can be like a cool moment for me and, and I know like kind of how to talk about my deck with other people and it really helps me break the ice because like I, I get really nervous around new people. Yeah. So uh, yeah, it really helps me a lot. Yeah, I think if you just 
think, like, don't make every interaction just about you. I mean, obviously, we have a lot of stuff that I want to talk about when we're in the conversation. Or like, hey, I'm meeting someone for the first time. I really want to tell them about this X, Y, and Z, X, Y, and Z. You know, just you go through a whole list of things. But the more you make your conversation about you, the less you actually talk to the other person, if that makes sense. You want to be making it a two-way street. If it's just a one-way road where it's like, I'm just going to blast off about all this stuff that I've wanted to talk about for five years, the other person on the end of the conversation is not going to have the same sort of interest in the conversation as you because they don't feel personally invested in it. I mean, they may be very interested in what you're saying, but they need to feel like you want to know about them because they want to know about you. It's, it's definitely a synergistic relationship. Or they just have ADD because <laughs> I, I can't keep attention for very long. You got about 45 seconds. <laughs> about 45 seconds and I'm gone. Unless we're talking magic, then you can yeah. keep me around. But I'll still have random thoughts here and there. So. <laughs> yeah, I got to add to that too. Like I, One of the reasons I love magic is because people can build just whatever they want to build. And it's so interesting to just talk to people and be like, hey, what are you playing? Because that says so much about them and all the things that they're interested in. So you, true, you get this true, kind of true. immediate read on like, hey, who's this person in front of me? And I, I think yeah. that's really interesting. And if you treat, imagine like I'm talking to Cash. I'm like, hey, Cash, what deck are you playing? And you start telling me about the commander. Take these moments to realize that the person you're talking to actually has a lot of value to give you as a person asking them a question. Because like, if I wanted to know, hey, Cash, where'd you get that? expedition from how do you uh how do you acquire foils for your deck or whatever you know these are actual things that i'd want to know because it helps me as a magic player be a better consumer if that makes sense and there's always different like hey blue moon how does that work i've heard the name a lot you know so these are you know in the conversation when you're asking a question you're actually gaining information for yourself in a lot of ways so take that opportunity to help because if you're genuinely interested about something and you see that hey mel i want to know how you made this part of your armor that's going to be valuable to me in the long run, and I know it's something that you're going to be passionate talking about, too. Uh, yeah, I do want to know how you made all that stuff, because I have <laughs> no idea. It's amazing. Thanks. She's Gideon. What do you mean she can do anything? Yeah, yeah. Mel can do anything, evidently. <laughs> yeah. All right, so the last point we're going to touch on, and then we're going to move on to questions here, is um, withhold judgment. You know, we're all players with very specific likes and dislikes about the game. We have strong opinions sometimes. Um, sometimes they can be a little too strong, but try not to judge people too harshly for those types of things. Yeah, I mean, we all feel strongly about the game that we love. We've all invested, obviously, a lot of capital into making our decks, pimping them out, and just doing that sort of stuff, but don't take that passion and turn it into judgment. It's just not ever going to be a healthy thing in this game and in life in general. Withholding judgment, keeping an open mind is something that, again, if you do it, other people will fall into that world, which is one that you want to be on, on that side of the spectrum. The more you start judging someone, the more you start having sort of like thoughts about, oh, I think this, this person does this, so they're that. It's never going to end in a, good, in a good light for anyone. Another way to like help you like adjust to that situation for like if, if somebody you feel like somebody is judging you, or they're being foul or something like that. Like, you never know what they're going through, what a person's going through in their day, in their life. I think about that a lot, because sometimes people, you know, when you play a game of Magic, they may be, like, extra salty for some reason. Like, on that day, they're extra <laughs> salty. Just remember that everybody's going through something at some point. So, like, at that day and time, they could be going through something and just, you know, learn to let it go. Yeah. Yeah, it's really good advice, actually. I like that a lot. Just give people a break when you can. Yeah. Because we're all going to need a break from time to time ourselves. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. All right, so that's going to wrap up our discussion of joining new metas. Hopefully there's a little bit of good advice in there. 
Going to shout out Card Kingdom one more time. Make sure you visit cardkingdom.com. This is your, uh, that's your LGS, right? What's that? Card Kingdom? Yeah. 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 And it was your LGS, Mel, until you joined the evil Los Angeles. It will forever be my LGS. Oh, Every time I go to Seattle, I make it a point to go to the store. Yeah, the, their store is one of the best stores you can visit. So, again, please use the affiliate link to support the show. Also, big shout out to our other sponsor, Ultra Pro, who gave us so much stuff to give away for our party on Thursday night that we couldn't even give it all away, so we have so much stuff left. <laughs> In fact, the people who are at the party, uh, we gave away like metal dice to basically everybody there. Those metal dice are beautiful. I love those things. They're I show awesome. them off to every, every time I do, like, I just take them out and I put them on the table. Look at my dice. My dice. It's not a euphemism, I swear. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's Let's a big move word. on to the Q&A part of uh, our show. And we have uh, some help from a very special guest today. We have Liliana. Give Liliana a big hand, Olivia. Thank you, Olivia. She will be facilitating the questions, also giving away stuff to you all. So if you would like to ask a question, please form a nice orderly queue up the stairs. Don't worry, we, will, we have an hour and 10 minutes left, so we're gonna try and get to as many of you Ooh. as possible. And uh, we would also ask to uh, keep, it, keep, it, keep it brief if you can. Keep and it. when you speak into the microphone, please, Bring your mouth to the microphone as close as possible because we are recording yeah. this for the listeners at home. Yeah, try to speak loudly and clearly. And then after, you, um, after you've asked your question, if there's something specific on the table that you see that you would like, you can request uh, from Lily for that <laughs> item. She, it's Liliana, though, so no promises how she reacts. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> also, please give your name. Oh, um, my name's Dylan, and I had a question for Cassius. I was wondering, how long have you been playing and how'd you get into it? Because you seem like a bit of an outlier in the like uh. normal meta. <laughs> kind of yeah, like no. where I am. So I've been playing since I was like 11. Um, I started around Odyssey. I'm pretty sure that was like the first starter pack that I had bought. Um, yeah, I'm just a little bit different than the normal Magic player. But I think that, I think that there could be a lot more guys like me out there. And um, I've met a lot, honestly, some, some guys who I've been surprised that they play Magic. You know, I think it's a great game, and I don't think there's any reason why, you know, guys on my team, regular, you know what I mean? Anybody can play the game. It's competitive. It's fun. You got to be smart. You know, I, I take that back. Not everybody can play the game of Magic because you do have to have intellect. So... <laughs> Wait, what, what's intellect? Huh? <laughs> what's that word? <laughs> Thank you for the question. All right. Hey, guys. My name is Tyler from San Diego. So California is awesome. Yeah. Um, West Coast, best coast. Yes. I see we have lovely Liliana and Gideon here. But for Josh, Jimmy, and Cassius, if you guys were any planeswalker <laughs> in the magic universe, who would you be and why? Uh, I would like to be Doretti Scrap Savant because Mono Red for Life. Also, uh, I like recurring things from the graveyard, specifically artifacts. Whoop, that's it. Gotta go. Uh, I'm gonna go with Ugin or. <laughs> Ugin. Ugin, yeah. Yeah, probably. I, actually, Ugin. I don't. I like putting permanents into play, so. Yeah. I'm not sure I've ever played an EDH game against you where you didn't cast Ugin. <laughs> well, and we've played a lot more than just the game nights, by the way. Narsa and Atraxa, I'm pretty much am guaranteed to go grab it. Ogan at some point, so yeah. Uh, I think I would be like Ral Zarek, maybe, or oh nice, mm, maybe like one, one of the Tamios. I like tapping and untapping mm, things. Yeah. yeah, ooh, 
Tammy Oz old the four. Ooh, yeah, I love the answer. Mel, do you have another choice outside Tammy of Gideon? Hot. Um, oh man, I've cut so many. <laughs> <laughs> You've cosplayed as a lot of different planeswalkers now. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm a Tezzeret. Yeah, I've been Tezzeret. I've been Rawl Zarek. Ooh, I've been uh, Sarkin. Uh, man, yeah, I'm a huge fan of like most all of the planeswalkers. <laughs> it's like choosing between your children. Yeah, man, I, I don't know if I can choose, but but I do love Tamio. Like she she does so much stuff, especially with Tamio Field Researcher. Yeah. But that's a lot of fun. But I gotta say, like Doretti, like a goblin genius pope, is a, a pretty <laughs> awesome concept, and I gotta get behind that. So uh, yeah. Can we dress a baby up as Doretti and ride him around in the Pope Mobile? Because <laughs> that'd be amazing. Special shout out to Nico Bolas. I am oh, yes. Yes. super excited <laughs> for that new Planeswalker. Super excited. It will go into Atraxa for sure. I've never seen a, as nuts of a Planeswalker for EDH. Like, if you it's doubling season that so thing out, bye-bye. Eh, oh, my God. It's so good. It's ridiculous. I, I was actually on the design team for Hour of Rune, and we got to uh, design Nicole Bolas, and that was probably, like, one of the high points of my career. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Why'd you guys Go make him so good? <laughs> so good. So good. Uh, it was more of a question of, like, how far can we push this before people are like, no, that's broken. <laughs> Hey, what's up? Hey, all. Uh, so I've got a question for uh, all of you. So everyone's got a favorite tribe. Oh, is it? A little forward? Better? Yeah. Okay. Listen to Lily. <laughs> this is good. All right. So she everyone's got it. a favorite tribe and commander, right? Yeah. Uh, but what tribe would each of you pick to get more support? Ooh, that's a good question. What tribe? And then, if you don't mind, a part two. What do you think would give that tribe what it needs to fill the void? I'm going to take the easy one. I'm going to say werewolves. Yes. <laughs> yeah, werewolves need a legendary lord of some kind so that we can finally make a werewolves EDH deck. Yes. So, yeah. Um, I'm going to say minotaurs because I just built in the heb deck, and I was kind of sad that there weren't as many options to make minotaur tribal as strong as it could be. Like, a Naba Shaman is an OG old card, but I want to see more flexibility in a lot of the minotaurs, so I'll say minotaurs for now. I really like the cat cards. Like, I, oh, I, yeah, I was like a big fan of them, uh, like in the Mirrodin sets and all that, um, but there's not like... I would. They, I feel like they need a couple like creatures that are just really good, like a consistent like two drop that's really good, and then like like you guys were saying, kind of like a a chieftain kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm a big fan of spirit decks. Um, I loved Ooh. SOI. Just like nice. the flavor is really cool. Yeah. Um, I I have strong feelings that there's never enough dragon tribal. So you know, <laughs> just just put another one on there. I'm happy. Um, yeah. C-17's right. looking pretty good for Dragon Tribal, hopefully. So. <laughs> Thanks for the question. Hi. Yeah. Hi, y'all. I'm Andre from uh, Austin, Texas, and uh, kind Woo. of on topic with what we've been talking today. Uh, so the RC, you know, they set the rules for EDH ban list and standardize it. But then on the other hand, they say, if you're not a big fan of this, you can house rules it, uh, which, you know, house rules are going to make it harder for people to join new groups, join in new games. So what do you think of that philosophy? Do you think that helps EDH be a more creative format, or does it maybe hurt helping newer players find places to play? Hmm. That's wow, a really good that's question. A question. It's a tough question because, uh, you know, we obviously don't play with house rules, and it's really hard for us, too, because it makes, like you said, it makes it hard. Like, our gathering can't really work if there's a million different house rules. I think they kind of say that almost to just take the edge off so that it's never, like, 
you know, iron-fisted, you have to do this thing, which I think is smart on their part, because it feels better when they make rules, but we do sort of, most people have to follow them. Um, I mean, I guess that's my feeling. I don't know what their other choice is other than to say, okay, well, you can't make yeah. house rules, in which case, what does that even do? Because, pe yeah, people can. Yeah. I mean, that's you magic at its do. core is, is <laughs> house rules. You do whatever you want. Yeah, right. <laughs> I used to play magic, like, wrong. <laughs> you could play magic wrong. All the triggers can be all totally messed up, and you'll still have fun. So. Yeah. Yeah. I think it totally depends on your play group. Like, uh, the guys that I play with now, like, they're, they're into, like, yeah, let's just play it like it's supposed to be played. But I've definitely played in other groups where, like, you know, people don't have enough cards or, you know, they're, they're looking for a certain type of card. And so it's harder for them to get the really, you know, powerful effects. And then sometimes it's just better to have house rules. Yeah, I think the big thing about house rules is if you're making them and you're you're having you're trying to have more fun as a result of them, just know that if you're playing with a group that doesn't do them, they're also trying to have as much fun as possible. So don't hold it against someone else if they don't play a certain way. Also, don't try and you know say like my house rules are the best because of X, Y, and Z. Everyone has a different experience with Magic, and I encourage people to get as wacky as they can. You know, we played Plane Chase before with Commander, and we've created new rules for how many times you can roll the dice or whatever, or how much it costs, because, you know, like, if you generate infinite mana, you can just go through every plane, you know what I mean? So, I think, keep house rules as much as you want, and make them as much as you want, but don't hold it against other people if they don't play it. I just gotta jump in and plus one plane chase commander as the greatest format ever. <laughs> that stuff is so insane. It's absurd. It's so good. It's absurd. Hey guys, uh, my name is Cassidy. I'm 16 years old, and I've been playing Magic for about four years now. Um, and I have a question for you guys. Um, uh, I don't really have a playgroup, and I'd like to have one. Uh, but like when I go to LGSs and stuff, the people I play with are usually like significantly older than me. It's like I have a job and stuff, so I've invested like a lot in Magic. Uh, mm -hmm. So people my age, I'm usually just like a little above, um, and I usually don't get like invited to play because I'm like 16. So right. I would like some advice on like how to get a playgroup. Oh, that's tough. Yeah, that's I think, a real good question. Think oh, also, Terry, your way I, in. Terry, I have those cards for trade if you want them. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that literally is you making a playgroup right there, right? You see what happens? <laughs> yeah. I think being open about the fact that you're looking for a playgroup is, like, I don't know how you're approaching it exactly, but Magic players don't tend to care too much about the fact that you're 16. Um, I mean, depending, I guess, if you're playing at a bar or something, it might be. <laughs> but besides that, like, if you're playing with somebody and you are looking for a playgroup, do you guys play often? You know, I, I've been looking for a playgroup, and, you know, I'd love to come play more if, you know, can I give you my phone number, or, or do you guys have a Facebook group, or, you know, and I'd say a lot of the time, people are like, yeah, of course, because we play in a format where it's, it's not like... I only need one person. I need, actually need a group. And then so if I want to play on a certain night and somebody can't play, I need people. You know, you have to sort of maintain a certain number of people so that you can play on a regular basis. So they're often also looking for people. And, and don't be insulted or put down if, they, if they're not. But if you put that out there a few times, I bet you'll have luck um, yeah. if you just put it in that, in that manner. You know, just be open about it. Yeah, I'm looking for people to play with. And, uh, you know, so whenever you guys are playing, I'd love it if you could let me know. We have people in our play group now that that's how we met them. You know, yeah. like, like Vinny, who's been on game nights a couple times, was a guy we just met at the LGS. And literally was like, hey, I'd love to play with you guys sometime. And we're like, yeah, why not? Yeah. Okay, cool. And I'll Vinny looks like he's 16. <laughs> <laughs> he, 
Yes. Yeah, I actually think that's one of the coolest features about Magic. Like, you can meet a bunch of totally different people, but you all kind of speak the same gaming language, and that's, that's really cool and unique. Yeah, the guy I played earlier, he started playing Magic at the beginning, which was, what, what was it, 93, 90, right? Yeah, 93. Yeah. 93, yeah, no, I was one. <laughs> <laughs> one years old, so he's significantly older than me, and I had a great time playing, so I yeah. think that Magic does a great job of making age not much of a thing, you know? It seems like you're old enough to have a job, and you seem pretty intellectual, so you should be able to play with any, you know, group. Okay. I'll ask around. Thanks, guys. Yeah, Good man. luck. What's up, guys? I'm back. Hold on. <laughs> um, just going back to your point about not wanting to bring out your table-busting deck as the very first deck for the very first game meeting a new playgroup, um, I know not all of us, even though we are commander players, we don't all have as many decks as I'm assuming Jimmy and Josh do. Around 20, 30, 80. I bet Mel's got a lot, too. I've only got four, you know. But not all of us are also like Wedge, who I see over there, and I'm going to call him out with his Angus McKenzie deck. He's got the one. <laughs> the one deck, yeah. The one deck. But I was just curious, do you have a sort of like sweet spot for number of decks that you feel would give you a wide enough range of options? Like for this is my you know, casual nice to meet you deck. This is my I'm going to win hard and everyone just pay attention to me for a second deck. I mean, what do you feel would be a good sweet spot number of decks for a wide range of five? Five, five decks. I say five is pretty good. I have yeah. four currently. I think I need to build something a little bit chiller. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. It's like he needs a nine. I tried to. He needs I a tried nine. To. I was like, oh, I need new commanders. And I built Riku and Centriplets. Like, Centriplets. Like, <laughs> I, I think you can get it done with two, honestly. Um, wow, yeah, no. just depends on the decks. But yeah. if, you're con if you're conscious about it, you could build something that's around a nine and something that's around a six, and, and you could do it. Yeah, I think, obviously, four or five is probably a little bit better, but not everybody can build five decks. You know, yeah. They just don't have the resources True. to do that. But if one of your decks is a 10, you've cut off so many of your options for what your second deck can be. And that's fine, but I don't think you then can complain <laughs> that you don't have a lot of decks because you chose to make one that's basically going to be hard to play against a lot of different people. If you want to play against the specific spiky people, you're fine, you're good, but... It's going to be hard to play that deck against people that don't aren't in that sort of subgroup, and yeah. so that's the choice you kind of made, is what I would say. So, you know, if you have a ten already built, maybe build a six, you know, or maybe build a five, you know, maybe build something that's not very powerful at all. And yeah, you're going to lose more with that deck, but you're going to make up for it by winning more with the ten. Yeah. What I've found with my really strong decks is I just rarely play them. <laughs> yeah, they don't come out. As I often play them against this guy, <laughs> and that's kind of it. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the big thing for me about the number five is you have one deck that it's your first deck and it carries you a certain point. You have the most powerful deck in your arsenal. And you just, over time, as long as you're enjoying making the deck and you know that you can switch, because it's easy to take a six to a ten or a ten to a six, right? It's really easy to be like, all right, if I put in X, Y, and Z cards, then it's going to get to that power level. So just make those decisions when you're building your deck. And I'd say always, again, like aim low if you wanted to build a new deck. Try the low on the lower side. See how it works. See if it's fun and competitive or if it's just straight fun. You know? It's hard to build a low-power deck, though, for a lot of people. So the advice I would – because 
you know, you're just going to naturally want to do whatever. So the advice I would give those people is try to do something that's insane and try to do that really well. But the insane thing could be like, I'm building a deck and it wants to flip a coin every turn. Yeah. That is a way to go so that you just reset the victory condition in your mind a little bit. I'm trying to build a deck. You know, I built the Tim deck. I'm trying to build a deck that's literally just going to tap and untap stuff all the time. Now, like will chaos, it win? The chaos decks. Yeah, like that kind chaos of stuff. chaos decks. Those are cool. Yeah, just like, set yourself yeah. a certain victory condition that's hard to achieve, and then you can build the 10 version of that, but in the overall game of EDH, that's really like a 5. Yeah. I was actually thinking a lot about this question earlier today because I had to pack a backpack, and I'm like, oh, I don't want to carry around a bunch of things, but I definitely want to play Commander today. So um, I settled on two different decks, and one of them's a pre-con. And the reason for that is because, like, like uh, Josh was saying, like, it's hard to make like, a kind of lower-powered deck. And pre-cons come in at a power level that's like, you know, fairly standard. So if you're playing with someone brand new, like, it can do a lot of really awesome stuff, or it'll just maybe derp around and like, not be that great. And, uh, and my other strategy is that I like to play um, kind of higher randomness but powerful sure, decks. So a good example of that is Grenzo. So Grenzo just like gets whoever's at the bottom of your deck, but you could whiff totally, or you can just right. dominate. Um, so decks like that I think are really fun because your opponents get this idea of like, hey, anything could happen, and it's not like you're <laughs> controlling the game for everybody. So I, I'd say like those are some pretty interesting bets for playing with people for the first time. Cool. Also, um, since Cassius brought up his Send Triplets deck, Jimmy, How's that Send Triplets deck coming along? It's, you know, it's in the nether. It's happening uh, so soon. Yeah. What? So, so my We've been hearing that deck. for two years. Yeah, yeah, it's like, it's on the way, you know? Yeah, it's going to be up on Twitter like every other week asking. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thank you. Take care. So real quick before you ask your question, Cash uh, wanted, he, he reminded me that we recently just, um, I'm going to spoil something here. So for game nights, the next game nights, Cash is back on it. Mel, unfortunately, was unavailable. Uh, and we're doing the Commander Anthology. So we were able to pull those decks straight out of the box and play them against each other. And uh, that was super fun. And I think, to Mel's point, um, the pre-cons, it's easy to overlook them. But they're constructed in a really great manner for, for exactly that question that was asked about what deck should I have. Yeah, I mean, I had fun. Just it, it, it's a different kind of magic. Like you, you it, first off, you don't know the deck. You just opened it. Yeah. And um, you know, it's just it's not it's not nothing about it is OP. Everybody's got around the same power level. You're probably very heavily uh, depending on your um, your commander. It was just fun. I mean, it, it's definitely like if you if you have that issue. You can get one of those those one of those decks, and, and, and you can play in any EDH deck with, or any EDH group with those decks. Hey guys, Ian from Atlanta. Hey, um, hi hey. Anna. Yeah, we, we played back in uh, yeah. the meetup back then. Um, so we didn't actually plan this out, but my question's kind of similar to the last one. Sure. But it's, um, what do you do when you've kind of gone over your deck, you've tuned it up a whole lot, you really like it? but you've had it for a long time, it's starting to get stale. You've got two decks, they both kind of hit all the stuff that you want to do, but you know that your playgroup's kind of looking for something else. Uh, that's a great question. I think one of the best things that I've done recently is ask to play someone else's deck and oh, yeah. see if you like that style or be like, hey, I've always been interested in how Craig builds an Infect deck. I don't really understand the mechanic uh, because I think it's you know the worst thing ever, but I want to see how it works. You know, So you take someone else's deck and you play it, and from there, 
other players will obviously have a different experience playing against you because now you're piloting someone else's deck. I think you actually give a little bit of honor to the person that you're taking the deck from because they get to see it in action or play against it, something they rarely ever get to do. Uh, and I think that's a great way to draw inspiration for a new deck, too. Yeah, I don't know, man. I gave somebody my Narset deck one time. That was a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> I lost terribly. Everybody at the table lost terribly, and I was really upset. I think I made him scoops just so he couldn't win. I was like, that's my deck. You scoop. <laughs> there, there is no worse feeling than being beaten by your own deck because you just don't know how to feel. I'm yeah, just like, no, like, this is this is mine. What's I love it. I feel proud. I'm like, yeah, my deck's awesome. Yeah, I feel betrayed, man. <laughs> yeah. And one other quick note is uh, on the matter of uh, building your decks to be less powerful. I found that if you only use stuff like guild gates, like the stuff that you, it doesn't have an option to come in untapped, mm -hmm. that slows you down. That gives everybody a lot of chances to play around and everything. Yeah, like that. that's a great point. Yeah, just changing your mana base to a point where it's yeah. like, yeah, I'm not playing my OG duels because I want. To, I don't want to flash that. <laughs> How do you feel about that? I play OG duels in all of my commander decks. Wait, you don't, oh, you I don't have decks wanna, like that too. You don't want to switch to guild gates? <laughs> probably, I mean, this is not, no, probably not. I won't build one like that. I mean, you'd play one. I'll play one. Yeah, 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 yeah. we did. Yeah. Thank you for the question. Hi, my name's uh, David, and I'm from Riverside, California. Yeah, Riverside. Yeah, uh, my question is, uh, if you guys have uh, one pet deck that is like your favorite commander deck, and uh, if so, uh, which, which uh, commander is that? And then also, uh, if you guys uh, bling out any of your decks, like foils, altars, anything like that. <laughs> Mel, do you have a uh, pet deck? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I already talked about it. I, I love the hell out of Grenzo. Like, he's just so much fun because, yeah, it, it's, it's this super interactive thing where, like, you have this moment of suspense where you're taking the bottom card out and you're, you know, you do the big reveal. So for me, like, that deck has so much, like, theater involved and just a really high <laughs> variance. And, yeah, he, he's just a lot of fun. And, and the cool thing about him also is that, like, you can bring him out on, like, turn two. So if he gets fried, which is, like, inevitable, you know, he's just back in a couple turns, no big deal. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. Do you bling out any of your decks, Mel? Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, um, yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of, like, well, I, I'm not up to expedition level yet, and I, I know some of us oh, are, God, guys, are really into the bling. I have expeditions. <laughs> I bling my deck out like crazy. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of, like, nice shiny foils. You know, something I'm really into are is foiling out decks, finding yeah, hard-to-find versions. Like, the Ugin I have my Planeswalker deck is that very special one with the different art. And I love doing that, but something I wanted to get more into is actually getting altars and getting, like, very special things yeah. that, that someone's put time and, and love into outside of just, like, oh, this is the foil version of that. Because I think that's, that's something that I love. That's a conversation starter every time when someone pops art. out a sweet altar. I want to know where they got it from, who made it. Uh, how much it cost and like you know the history behind that card. So that's something I'm I'm looking more forward to getting into. What's your favorite deck? Uh, it has to be Marchesa. It was my first deck I ever made, and it's got Lily in there too. Is that OG Marchesa? Yeah, OG. Nice. Uh, my favorite deck. I've said many times on the show is my Vile Thrasher Smasher Thrasios. Thrasher. Yeah, yeah Vile Thrasios deck. Good. And that's actually coincidentally the deck that I blinged out because these two guys have these super blinged out decks, so I was like, all right, fine. And I went and pulled all the fancy stuff from all of my various decks and just put it into that one deck so it could at least be respectable. It's nothing quite like these two, but it's yeah, got foily lands and stuff. We give you some points for that. Yeah, it's okay. We liked it. Yeah, they we give me, like, begrudging points. <laughs>
Uh, I I probably say Atraxa is my favorite, uh, just because uh, I love Planeswalkers one, and it's super dope creature, flying lifelink, vigilance. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 the perfect blocker for Planeswalkers, and then. Um, yeah, man, I love Walker decks. Do you like to oh. foil out your decks? <clears throat> Foiling out decks. So, um, yeah, that attracts the deck is foiled as far as it can be foiled. Um, <laughs> I just picked up a foil Pelincron. That was probably it. That was a proud moment for me right there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I gasped when I saw it yesterday. I was going through the thing. I was like, <gasps> 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 wow. What? Foil yeah, Pelincron. Yeah, no, I definitely like foils. So I'm going to try and get into the um, the full arts as well, or the, uh, the altar arts, because... I have some altar blood moons that I bought uh, from off of a friend, nice. and they're just beautiful, very well done. And I think um, I don't know. It's just like another piece of art, you know. It's like a you know you might keep a piece of art on your wall, but like you know those 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 cards, the special ones. Those are I like those a lot. So yeah, definitely. I was with you until the blood moon thing. <laughs> blood Thank moon. you for the question. Blue moon. <laughs> Thanks for the question. Thank you. Uh, I wanted to ask what. I wanted to ask what deck you are closest to finishing next, or if you don't have a deck currently in the work, what commanders just really struck your fancy recently and what's inspired you to build a future oh, potential deck? Send I triplets. love that question. I love that question. <laughs> it's coming. Uh, Cash is chomping at I the bit to answer this because I have, I have like a, a page like, in my binder with a bunch of commanders that I really like, and Grand Arbiter Augustine the Fourth is literally just like making me... Ugh, it's just killing me. I really, I have to put that together. But um, Mel, you got one you're working on? I've got a, I've got a whole shelf, and it's full of half-built commander decks. <laughs> and it's like, it's so painful because when you've got like ten commanders that you're interested in, it's really hard to figure out where all your cards are at because they're yeah. all in different boxes. Yeah. But uh, oh man, like a, so I, I love group hug decks. So Kineos and Tiro are so much fun to play with. Um, and, like, it, it allows everybody to do their crazy thing in the game, which is, like, the reason I play Commander is to just see insane things happen. Yeah. Um, oh, gosh, yeah. I've, I've had an Atraxa brewing for a while, and, like, Yidris is another one of those really fun Ooh. randomness commanders. Um, yeah, and, and oh, geez. Yeah. Um, I, I've had a, um, a Voral uh, deck for a while that's been kicking around, just counters on counters. Counters on counters. I like how you said Idris is a random deck when, like, I would build it to Idris always know what's going to happen. It's <laughs> so yeah, tier. What it totally you depends Idris on how you want to play him. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't have any right now because game nights, it's kind of like that's inevitably going to come in like a week and a half and we're going to have a whole new deck to build for that. And so I know that's going to happen. So I'm just sort of waiting for that shoe to drop. Yeah. Yeah, just it's probably going to be based on some spoilers that are coming out soon. Yeah, there was actually, to the response to the question earlier about, like, hey, how do I make new decks? I think it's super fun to just, like, lay out a challenge to your friends and be like, hey, like, make this deck out of this one commander. Mm, yeah. Then you get to, like, or, or, like, all of you do the same commander, and then you can compare the decks that you Ooh, all make. cool. I think that's always a lot of yeah. fun. At my shop right now, they're doing, um, everybody's building a bad tribal deck. <laughs> so, like, pick a tribe that doesn't really have too like it's kind of like i think the i think the budget was like cards that are six and like six and and lower yeah. um just tribal pick a bad tribal like um ballads what's that ballads ballads yeah all that yeah like or uh minotaurs That'd yeah be, yeah you know stuff like that that's hilarious thank you for the question hi guys 
Um, I'm Austin Jones. I uh, am an admin of Pastoring EDH in San Diego. Um, I wanted to ask a question that's not directly to EDH, but um, I uh, recently, uh, prior to the announcement, uh, built an unhinged, unglued cube like about a year ago. <laughs> and I am really excited for uh, Unstabled, and I wanted to know your guys' opinion on the announcement of Unstabled. I could not be more excited. I can't wait. I've never, I never played, I played Magic back and I came back in uh, Journey into Nyx. So I missed out on Unhinged and Unglued. Um, and I'm just excited. I, I would love to draft it. I love, there, what's that card where you have to get, it's like Mishra's something, but you make someone get you a drink. Ashnaut's coupon. Ashnaut's coupon, yeah. yeah. Craig has it in his cube, and I held that as political bait the entire time. Like, <laughs> I'm going to no make you it. get me a drink if you do this, and it worked. So I, I can't wait to draft with those cards. Excellent. Thank you, guys. Yeah, I'm not allowed to talk about it because I, I worked on the set. So oh, yeah, uh, all that much. to say, though, I'm, That's I'm really cool. super <laughs> excited to, for it to finally come out. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Hi, I'm Chu from Orange County, and this question oh, is for Jimmy and Josh. Um, my, my bling out deck is Mizzix, but every time I, everyone sees that I have a Mizzix, <laughs> they try to kill me. But I swear to God, it is not a oppressive a Mizzix. It's more like I just want to put stuff in my graveyard and eventually right. Mizzix mastery. But every time, or since you both have Mizzix, how do you not become the target? Yeah, that's, that's our bad man. That's I'm sorry, question. but... Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, I don't play my Mizzix deck ever for the same reason. Yeah, it's tough because the commander always dictates people's, again, first impressions of a deck. And even if you guarantee someone that it isn't, the only way you can prove it to them is just by playing it and, and having them see what it actually does. So I think you just kind of have to settle with the reality that someone may just go after you the first game, the yeah. second game even, until they can understand the way that you understand your deck. But there's no way they're going to know until you play it against them. That's the thing. I mean, somebody was playing Zer the Enchanter the other day. It was like a five-player EDH game, I think, and I went straight for him. I killed him first. Yeah. Off tops. Yeah, there's just... Oh, sorry. Go no, ahead. go ahead. Go ahead. There, there's just certain commanders that when I see them, you know, like, in, even in the command zone, I just, you know, my palms get sweaty, and I, I know <laughs> things aren't going to go well. And, like, for the longest time, I've wanted to play my Nekasar deck, but every time that guy comes out, people are just like, no, I'm not going to have any of this. Yeah. It's tough. You just have to show via demonstration uh, or even like give them the deck before and have them sift through it, you know. But I know that's not always realistic, but I think that's just something that's almost unavoidable with commanders. There are stigmas with each of them. You could always just build uh, like a blue, blue, mana blue deck and just counter everything. So then nobody can really come at you, you know what I mean? <laughs> That that's, that's why they want to kill that deck first. <laughs> you go, you build Jace, that's you that's build what got us here. I don't know, dude. Every time I play blue, for some reason, it doesn't matter like how much I try to kill them. They counter everything, and then I, I end up losing. So. I also have a question for Mill. Um, are you going to Anime Expo? Because if you are not, I have a complimentary Anime Expo badge for you. Shoot, dude, yeah. I mean, uh, we're in L.A., so uh, yeah, I'd definitely give it a shot. Thanks, dude. Uh, take care. Hi, I'm Mike that? from LA, and hey. I, hey, Mike. I recognize you from Twitter. And my question was, uh, have you guys tried more online testing through things like X-Mage or Cockatrice? For me, I just don't like playing Commander on the computer. Or Yeah, Magic on the computer is just always really tough for me because I... I don't know, there's something about Yeah, Magic and Commander, but like, I, I play a little limited, and even then, I just like actually holding and moving the cards and 
there are a lot of things that when I like misclick on at Modo, where I go like that literally would never happen in real <laughs> life, and that's what always gets me. I mean, cockatrice and those programs get you around that, but I don't know. I, I haven't done much testing on it. I just like playing in real life too much. I think. Yeah, I don't really um, play online much. Uh, I don't know for especially for if a commander. I mean, I might play test like modern or, or legacy on there, but for a commander, I th would find it very hard to play test on there just because for me the cool thing about commander is like the interactions with the people you're playing and yeah so it's tough for me yeah same um i think the most that i ever do is just like go on tapped out and just check my stats and stuff and share it with other people Yo, um, check out my stats yeah <laughs> check out some uh, sample hands and stuff stats <laughs> thank but you yeah. for the question hi i'm west from uh oh. Yeah. Hi, I'm Wes from LA. Hey. And my question was for Cassius, and I was just wondering how off or how common is magic among the pro football crowd? It's not very common, honestly. I mean, I've heard of of some guys since I've you know uh, been in the community a lot more and seen you know met a lot more people. You know, some people told me about guys who might have used to play and play in the league, and you know play a little bit but um Doug plays uh Doug Baldwin plays a little bit he plays pretty casually um but I'm gonna work on I'm gonna I'm, that's one of my goals is to try and work on getting guys to, to at least try it because they're all you know football players just athletes in general are extremely competitive so I think that um they'll if you know just to find a new way to compete but that might bring a little bit of trouble because <laughs> um we're you know our our competitive nature is a little bit overwhelming at times i find it i had i had to adjust myself um to being able to just you know play for fun and not so much just to win the win the game so yeah well thank you that's a good lesson though because you're naturally wired you have to be to do what you do right oh, so if, oh. if cash can do that i think anybody out there who feels salty or like they're having trouble finding yeah. the fun and only trying to win well if this dude can do it you can do it yeah, I agree. <laughs> Hi, I'm Alex from Minnesota, and my question is, I have several commander decks, but very few of them focus on blue, hardly at all, so what would you recommend as, like, a good blue commander? Blue, blue in, the, in the colors or just blue only? Uh, blue in the colors, blue only, just any blue, really. Take a look at your deck, see what colors you like the most, and then just add blue to it. <laughs> or play, you know, one of the four-color commanders. I think that's a great way to make sure you include as many colors as possible while still staying true to yourself, if that makes sense. Thank you. Memnark. Go full Memnark. Jace. Uh, Teferi. Jace. Ooh, Teferi. Teferi yeah. Uh, yeah. Hi, it's uh, Kevin from Santa Maria, California. Hi, Kevin. Wondering what uh, color or colors you guys identify with the most? Red. Blue. Of blue. I, I play blue in every single. All my decks have blue in them. Mel? Yeah, definitely red, blue. I like making the crazy machine and then seeing if it'll go off. <laughs> yeah, I'm Simic. Green, blue. Green, blue, too. I'd say green, blue, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm probably Grixis if you had to choose the full thing. Oh, yeah, you're definitely. Yeah. I really like the like if I had to pick three colors though, I'd say blue, green, white. I really like that combination. Cool. Thank you. 
Bant. Yeah, Bant. Bant, yeah. But I, you know, I was thinking out loud. It took me a second to come up with it. <laughs> What's up? Hey, guys. Uh, I'm James Lynn from Pasadena, California. Yeah. Dina, go Bruins. All right. Yeah. Uh, my question is for all of you. If you guys were planeswalkers, what would your abilities be? Or if that's too hard, what would your ultimate be? Ooh. Just thought about that the other day. I was thinking of my planeswalker. <laughs> his name is Cassius, King of the Daywalkers. <laughs> and his ultimate ability is ridiculous. It's like... Wait, what colors was it? It was so, so good. Too. It was so good. Was, He's banned, oh my right? god, what colors was it? It was uh, oh. <laughs> no. Oh, it was blue. I think it was like blue, black, white. Okay. And Esper drew seven cards. Uh, like this is the ultimate removed, dress. Yeah, it Sorry. removed like five permanents, and then you lot like I don't know. Some it was something crazy. I don't know. I forgot exactly what it was, but I came up with one the other night, so I really like that he I got to ask is the 7 in there like an Ugin call out? What's that? Is the 7 in there an Ugin call out? Oh, oh yeah, of course. All day all, all glory to Ugin, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> um I guess it would have to be I would either be Grixis or just straight mono red, and I think my ultimate would be similar to uh Living Death but for artifacts. So you like would oh, actually scrap mastery is is a, the comparison there. So it would be like exiling all your artifacts from your graveyard, then sacking everything you have on the battlefield, and then they all come into play. I would be some kind of simic planeswalker that like probably like lets you do stuff at times you're not supposed to be able to do them or something <laughs> like that. Like, got tricky with onboard stuff. Like yeah, um, maybe you could like untap. Maybe it was like the first planeswalker ever that you can activate on other players' turns or something. Ooh, that's crazy. That'd be like, cool. you can't activate on your turn, but you have to activate it on an opponent's turn. What do you guys think about, like, a Planeswalker that if you minus it down to zero, it turns into a creature? Ooh. Yeah. I think that'd be really cool. And it was, like, a, like a, actually a good creature. Like, maybe the abilities of the Planeswalker weren't super OP, but, right. but like, the, the actual creature that it flipped to was really good. It'd be cool if their abilities were only minus one, so you have to Yeah, yeah, so it, it was, like, it's kind of like Kaya, like, except without the reset. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, that'd be really cool. Yeah, I'd probably do one that's, like, uh, something like uh, all your spells get flashback or something like that, because, like, I want to play, like, all my spells, but then I want to play them again, so and I want to be able to do that ability multiple times. If you heard it yeah. once, that'd be ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. Dang, Thanks for all, the question. We're all busted. What the heck? Well, yeah, if I'm going to make myself as a planeswalker, I'm going to be awesome. Yeah. yeah, man, we're not developers here. <laughs> Cassius used to do a minus 10, I win the game. That should be your, that should <laughs> be your old. You, you win. Uh, hey, what's up, guys? Sacked. Oh, hey, you get Dane. to keep the t-shirt now. Yeah. Thanks for I'm asking. Dane from Boise, Idaho. Uh, I just want to have a huge thank you for you guys doing the event the other night. It was so amazing to get everyone together and get the whole community together. Thank you for coming. Thank Thanks you to everybody who came to the event. Yeah. Hope you guys had fun. I'm, I'm glad you did. And Cassius, man, I feel you. I, I'm a 10 to 11 player. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it yeah, goes to day. 11. <laughs> all day, bro. All day. By the way, I love Boise. Beautiful place. Yeah, thanks, man. It's where I get tattooed. Oh, cool. um, who tattoos you, man? Uh, a mind's eye tattoo. His name's Tony, Tony Adamson. Tony Adamson. Yeah, he's the best Dude, tattoo. I, I actually own a tattoo shop in Boise, Idaho, with my wife. Oh, for real? Yeah, yeah you know boy. Tony. Yeah, I yeah love, I know that's Tony. like one of my best friends. And his Dude. wife, Wendy, is like the sweetest woman yeah, on the planet. Is. Yeah, they're awesome people. Yeah. Is that where you got the dog too? Uh, 
Actually, I got boss when I was in college, but I did adopt a dog through Wendy, yeah. Oh, yeah, Wendy runs Bully Breeds. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, dude, that's yeah. cool. Dude, as I'm coming down here, I'm like, did we just become best friends? Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, bam, yeah, yeah. blue, yeah. Yeah, all that, <laughs> yeah, pretty much, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, tattoo. All right, yeah. man, well, shoot, thanks for the question. Yeah, yeah, uh, did I ask? Go for it. Or can yeah. I ask? <laughs> so, you guys oh, were talking yeah. about plane chase and everything. Know. Yeah. Uh, what is your favorite plane, and do you ever try and make a deck, like, synergizes with that plane? Like, I, I'm with you, Jimmy. I love artifacts, so, like, Mirrodin would be my jam. So, I really like the one where you roll the dice and you might get a 7-7 seven, seven Annihilator. That's mine, too. <laughs> I love that one. <laughs> that one's yeah. absurd. That's, I love that one. That's a, so swingy. It's so swingy, yeah. I, I, I mean, like, what's your favorite plane? Not, not just plane oh, chase. Not like, plane like chase, what is plane. your favorite absolute plane that you I, like? I really loved Kaladesh. I thought Kaladesh was awesome, and I loved like seeing these huge. And it, part of it was also the pre-release and seeing those awesome uh, things flying around the top of the stores. So, I, I, Kaladesh is my current vote for favorite. Yeah, I'm, I'm Ravnica forever. I mean, yeah. what's your so many guild? good stories in there. What's your favorite guild? You can't say Ravnica and not say your guild. I mean, I gotta say, is, is it? it? Even yeah, though I'm like, yeah. you know, I'm Boros out right now, but I'm all about that. Is it? <laughs> Um, there's also a really dumb plane in Plane Chase that gives you a bunch of goats. It's like Gold Meadow. And uh, I've played so many games where for some reason that plane is just so busted and we end up with like 20 goats. Uh, it's totally circumstantial, but that, that's the reason. That's probably my, my favorite plane in Plane Chase. Nice. Uh, I'm going to go with Tarkir. Yeah. Yeah. But the original timeline before the... Yeah. When it was three color, because you know three color, and when they make the four color plane, then I'll like that one. <laughs> Technically, uh, they're all five color planes if you think about it. No, there's no five color lands. Uh. I like mirrored in block, honestly. Yeah. yeah. Um. I mean, I have this deck. It was like a brood star deck. I don't know. Affinity for artifacts is just ridiculous to me. I love it. I think it's so good. But I won't play affinity <laughs> because. I don't know. It's just the same plays over and over again. You know what I mean? And like, I just feel I don't know. I don't know. I like mid rangey type games. Sometimes you got to drop your hand on turn one, man. Yeah, drop the guitar. Yeah. All right, guys. Thanks. Thank you. We're gonna. I think we're gonna have to speed up our answering of questions. So we're maybe not all gonna be able to answer each question, but because we want to get through you all. So sorry if we just sort of only let one or two people answer the question. Uh, I'll try to make it brief. Hey guys, I'm Tyler at Ty Magic Guy on Twitter. Um, <laughs> I this is a question for all of you guys, but I gotta thank you personally, Josh, for uh, changing my mindset on this. I have a Kanaeus deck, uh, Kanaean Tiro of Melitus. It's not a group hug deck; it's a landfall deck, and I just like the idea of playing something that's uncharacteristic of what you'd think, like a Chromat deck that's Nekusar. Uh, what do you guys think about playing like out of left field kind of decks, or like what's the strangest deck you've seen? I'm a big fan of it, uh, but sometimes it's also like, oh, my Mystic Sticks isn't the that, you know? So, like, the left field thing can sometimes go against you, but I, I like it. I think it's just a great way to play, and if you can inspire someone else across the table when you build a deck like that, then A+. Plus. Uh, one of the favorite decks I've ever seen was somebody who has a coin flip deck, and that, like I said earlier, it's, its goal is to just flip coins as many times as possible every turn. doesn't really care about anything else. I always love like an Edric Tiny Thugs deck 
just because like you can play Edric so many different ways. Like you know, he's just so utility and he's so much fun with the politics. But man, he can, his aggro version it can just be really, really busted. And it also allows you the joy of like going through the bargain bin and being like, yeah, I want to take these scrub sprites and flying men. And like you know, the proprietor just like looks at you like, all right. Hi, my name is Chris. I'm from Salt Lake City. Uh, just quick aside, Cassius, I'm sorry, but Nicol Bolas has red in his colors, so he cannot be running a Traxa. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, no, I know, I know. I know Nicol Bolas. Oh, yeah, huh, he does have red. You know, that's what I was going to, you know, it's funny that you bring that up because now I have a counter for that. I'm building Progenitus. Uh-huh. Uh -huh. There you go. There you go. So I have another. Is it going to be super friends still? Oh, absolutely. How, what other kind the of friends are always building? in town? Come on. Yeah, yeah. So I'll have a, uh, yeah, we'll be But anyway, my question is for, I guess, for anybody who's willing to answer is if there's like a particular card or maybe like an entire deck that has like a cool story behind it, like the, the, the process of acquiring it or maybe just like you had a really cool game and just became your favorite deck because of that one game. Yeah, I mean, um, I think somebody mentioned earlier how cool altered cards were. And uh, one of the only altered cards that I have was a gift from somebody, and it was uh, it was kind of random. It was a hypnotic siren um, because uh, that person really liked Theros, and uh, so that was actually like um, one of the reasons that I ended up building an Edric deck, just because I wanted to feature that card. Oh, cool! And uh, yeah, I love that germ token that we had on game nights too. The story behind that, you can see it in the episode, was really nice and inspiring too. I love that. Thanks for the question. All right, hey, uh, my name's Scott. I'm from San Diego, uh, and uh, I think we need some more silly questions. So, uh, if you could date any legendary creature, <laughs> would it be? Oh, oh man. boy, Narset. I'm gonna go Narset. Narset. She's Narset's pretty cool. It's a bad. It's just, I mean, excuse my language. Are there any kids back there? That's a that's a bad bit. That's a bad bit. You know, you, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> right you know, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, I'm gonna go with a zombie because I just want she, she can draw me all the cards. Yeah, I will go with Azusa. Like, she looks like, like she's always mama. having a good time. <laughs> it's my sugar mama. A zombie. <laughs> a zombie just yeah. gets, me that that? Bread, yeah. gets me that bread. Yeah. Yeah. Man, this is a really tough question. Uh, I mean, it's clearly Gideon. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know, dude. Like Olivia's got such style, you know? Ooh, and like. Vampire tribal, like you know, there's going to be a sweet party at the end of it. <laughs> Good answer. Yeah, I might choose Gideon too. He could do all my housework for me. Definitely not Soren. That guy seems like a jerk. Oh yeah. Hey guys, uh, my name's Chris. From from Orange. I'm from Orange County, and this one was more for Jimmy and Josh. Uh, I was wondering how content creation actually affected or changed you guys as players. As players. It, I think it makes me never want to be stale, for one. I always want to change what I'm doing or play different kinds of decks, do different things. Um, and content creation definitely has fueled that in me, which is like, you know, you're always trying to innovate, do something new, do something cool when you make stuff. And, and also, it makes me want to play and build my decks as best as possible. Uh, it's changed me in the fact that I don't get to play all that much anymore. That's... You know, it does good things in sort of, I've talked about this before, forcing you to do things you wouldn't have to do or you wouldn't naturally do on your own because, you know, what's good for camera or what's good for the audience is not always what's intuitive to the way you like to play the game. And, you know, like I said, I've often found that I do like things I didn't think I would like because I was forced to try them, so. Yeah. 
Yeah, Game Nights has been a blessing in disguise for both of us, being forced to build new decks. Because usually it's sort of like, oh, I don't have the time or money to or whatever, but Game Nights makes you do it, and it's great. Thanks, Thanks for the question. question. Hi. Um, my name is Matthew Harush, and I'm from L.A. And I was wondering, um, throughout uh, Magic's history, what has been some of your favorite mechanics throughout history? In fact, just kidding. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Dude, hands down, I got to say transform. It's just sweet seeing like the story of the card you know, on the front and then yeah. seeing the rest of the story on the back. Mm. Uh, they're a little bit of a pain to play with because I'm always that person who's like taking it out under the sleeve underneath the table and trying to, trying to remember what was on the back of it. But uh, those cards are like so much fun to play with because of the story involved. Yeah. Um, morph. But that's because of limited. Yeah. Madness. I really like Convoke. What is it? Madness. Ooh, oh, Madness, madness is yeah. a good one. Yeah. I want to see a madness deck, a really good madness yeah, deck. Yeah, yeah. Like tier competitive Neheb. modern. Yeah. You I had a chance, man. You blew it. I, I, hey, I played from under the floorboards the other day, and it was <laughs> sick. And guess right. what? It like blanked my opponent's Avenger of Zendikar. <laughs> you really got it out for that card lately. Yeah. <laughs> guess what? The card also didn't do anything that game either. <laughs> Just kidding. Thanks for the question. <laughs> All right. Uh, I'm Mike. I live here in Las Vegas. My question is, going to the Tarkir block, which, which version of Tarkir do you each like better, and then what would your, uh, who, who would you side with? I'd side with Sarkin. I like OG Tarkir a lot, for the same reason Josh likes it, but also Sarkin. He was just trying to do some good stuff, you know? He was just trying to figure it out. We should ask the story expert. Uh, I mean, so I'm going to say I'm biased. Um, I'm going to say definitely Mardu for a whole lot of reasons because OG Sarkin was rad. Dragons are awesome. Oh, sorry, not dragons, but um, the, uh, like, uh, the horde feeling was awesome. And then um, the, the last reason is a little more personal. It's because in my head, they beat up on Siege Rhino. So, like, uh, you know, I got to get behind that. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for the question. Hi guys, I'm Patrick. I'm from Salt Lake City. Um, Hi Patrick. Another, uh, ready for life. I gotta show you the deck later. Sick. Um, question on content creation. Uh, my shop's been streaming a lot of Legacy lately, and I'm wondering just maybe a couple things that you could do as a content creator to uh, put out higher quality content for Magic players. Um, I mean, check out the field. Watch other stuff. Think about what you see in the other content that you wish it had or things that you like that does well and try to really just get as broad of a approach to it as possible. You know, like watch everything, view everything, consume it all and then make a list mentally or on paper of what you would do better, what you want to do, what you're going to take from those things that you liked and all that. Uh, don't forget to watch your own stuff. Yeah. Uh, you know, I still to this day, every single episode of The Command Zone, I watch and... I pick out things that I want us to improve on over the long term. And so that each episode, I'm like, okay, right now we're working on this thing. We're improving this. And once that gets fixed, then there'll be another, the next thing on the list, and we're going to fix that. So it might be the graphics. It might be the backgrounds. It might be the audio quality. It might or be the co-host. Getting, <laughs> getting video of us. It might be. But each time, I, we just always want to be improving some aspect at all times. And then over the long haul, that's how you'll sort of continue to bump the quality. But your own scrutiny on your own stuff is really important. Thank Henry. You. Hello. Um, I'm from uh, 
I'm Henry, as you heard, and I'm from uh, Richmond, Virginia. And I was wondering, what are you guys most excited for in, in Commander 2017? I hopefully a lot of new five color commanders. That was my prediction: is that is Come that on. they're all going to be five color options in each of them. Um, and I don't know. Hopefully, goblins is one of the tribes too. Mel, I know you're not allowed to say anything. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> I just yeah, I'm with Jimmy. I hope it's five color. Oh, it'll be awesome. If they're four five color decks, that's the thing I'm most excited for. Yeah. They can just call it Commander Josh. <laughs> <laughs> is that conceded? No, we're good. It's good. All right. Thank you for the Thank question. You for question, Henry. Hey, my name is Mike uh, from Kansas City. Uh, just to start off with, thank you all for all of your content creation and your work behind the scenes. Um, my question is, with the return to Dominaria, with Richard Garfield you know, on the design team, uh, Mel, I don't know if you can talk about this at all, but what are you guys looking forward most to the return to the home plane? Uh, I can answer this abstractly. Um, so, I mean, I, I started playing back in fourth edition, and uh, and Dominaria is just so uh, like nostalgic for me, and it's so much of like my early magic, like you know, personal shaping experiences that uh, I I mean I it, it's hard for me not to wrap up a lot of my feels of early magic with that plane. So just like emotionally, I'm really invested in a lot of those characters. And gosh, Mirage just like changed my image of what fantasy art could be like. So characters like, um, like Teferi and seeing Zolfir, um, those were all really exciting for me. Um, so yeah, I mean, just all kinds of things about Dominaria. I didn't play, uh, I played like up until Ice Age and then I took a break. Uh, so Dominaria, I would love to see Art, when you're speaking of the art, I would love to see it return to some of the old art styles too. Like I, I love like the kind of art that like Rebecca Guay does and stuff. Like I want to see that. You know, obviously, the magic art always needs to be changing. And I love where it's gone, but it'd be really cool if we're on Dominaria, if we're returning to it, if we also get some like old school art and like I don't know, hand painted stuff up in there. Yeah, I just I'm looking forward to recapturing that nostalgia from old magic, like just that feeling of when it first started. So it'd be cool if there was like a legendary Urza or something too. I've, I've never been able to play with those cards, and it'd be cool to see a new updated version. Thanks for the question. Uh, hi, my name's Cole. Uh, I was the guy who wanted to go straight into Q&A from the beginning. <laughs> um, so my favorite commander is Rurik Thar, because he's mean. And my least favorite commander is anything that makes me mill. Uh, what are your favorite and least favorite commanders? Favorite to play? Uh, yeah. Definitely more chase up for me. Uh, being able to have stuff be sacrificed and come back at the end step, and just always when people are like, "Wait, what does that commander? Wait, what?" is one of my favorite reactions to when I just started going off and no one stopped me. Um, least favorite commanders to play against probably anything with infects, anything that leads to anything that Craig's yeah. playing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've I've got some specific like personal criteria just because I I don't like waiting to get my commander out. Like I'm all about the commander combos. So like I want to build a, around a commander who can come out early and just keep producing value throughout the game. So for me, it's like anything that's like over like six or seven CMC. I'm like, oh, I don't know about that one. <laughs> um, my least favorite commander is probably Talran to play against. Just not because it's unbeatable. It's just I find it a slightly annoying. There's a Craig deck, of course. <laughs> um, and my favorite commander, Vile Smasher. Because I like have, taking no responsibility for my actions. 
Thanks for the question. Hey, uh, my name is David and I'm from Portland. I just wanted to know, what do you guys think about uh, silver border cards being legal in Commander and if that would be something you'd be open to? Uh, it, would, it depends. Some of the cards are so ridiculous that they just don't work, but you know, it's house rules. I, I've seen someone pull out Cheaty Face and I've been hit by it, so I'm okay with that. <laughs> and Ashlot's coupon. Yeah, there, there's certain silver bordered cards that are a little crazy. There's the like anyone wearing denim kind of thing, where like all of a sudden like yeah, there there's people who are like oh no, I'm wearing jeans right now. Um, so those ones I think are, are a little bit sketchy, or the ones that are like yeah, put your head on the table. And I, I don't know if I'm down for physical challenges like that. Thanks for the question. Hi, uh, I'm RJ from LA. Um, I wanted to ask you guys about color shifting commanders. Occasionally, Wizards likes um, changing the color identity of certain legendaries, i.e., an Offenza, Queen Marchesa. If you could color shift one of your current commanders, which one would it be, and from what color to what color? Ooh, that's a tough one. Um, I'd like to cover sh color shift all of them to five color, for sure. My answer. Ha ha! Well, so, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Uh, I've been waiting for the longest time for a sweet blue-red commander that deals with artifacts, like you know, so so you can get both the sweet like Duretti deck flavor as well as just like um, like Esper cards, all in the same like happy family. So uh, hopefully, hopefully someday soon there'll be a good commander like that. Thanks. Hello, my name is Andre from Kalispell, Montana, and with the um, with Magic players, with the average age slowly creeping up there, what would you recommend the best way to get the use back into Magic, and in particularly, like, Commander? That's a tough one. I think Commander is a tough format for really young kids, just because the board complexity is so high. And it's one of the reasons I think we talk about Commander not being a great sort of introduction into Magic in general. Um, but I do see a lot of youths. In fact, I lost to, like, a in the spell slinging event to like, a, I think he was 10 year old. Um, and man, I was so impressed because the math and the co reading comprehension you need to play, you know, just even Amonkhet or something is so high that I was just impressed by that. So I don't know that it's realistic to expect like really young kids to be able to jump right into Commander. But the game is so great for children and learning that I think that aspect of it isn't talked about enough and maybe pushed by magic as like, it's got to be a great learning tool. It's like how, like, you know, basketball can trick you into exercising if you don't like exercising. Well, magic can trick you into learning if, you know, that's not something that, you know, not every kid loves going to school every day. So I think that aspect of it maybe could be pushed a little bit. Yeah, and I think, like, just building a deck also is, like, that kind of simplifies the process because then you're, like, looking at all the cards. You have a lot of time to just, like, think about things, and then, you know, maybe they'll, they'll step it up when they feel ready for, like, doing the actual gameplay. Okay, so my question is, let's say you just jump into a game with new paper for the first time. Do you think that you should hold back to try to let everyone have a good time? I think you should play your deck. You should play your deck, and you should bring the right power level and ask the right questions beforehand so you don't feel like you're sandbagging something just for the sake of other people's fun. Yeah, choose a deck that's going to allow fun rather than playing the deck in a manner. Yeah, yeah it's also terrible uh, if you're the person who realizes that someone's going soft against you and then you're like, oh man, yeah. this doesn't feel like a real game. Thank you. Hello, I'm JD. Um, what celebrity, other than Cassius Marsh, would you play with or would like to play with, alive or dead? Sun Tzu. Sun Tzu. Machiavelli. That's a good one. 
Any of the people we talked about on the show, for sure. George Washington, Abraham Lincoln. Shakespeare. Ooh. He'd, like, write his own flavor, just, yeah, like, exactly. on the yeah. spot. Yeah. He would deliver a sonnet to you as he just smashed your face in. <laughs> Hi, I'm Travis Mayer. I'm from the middle of nowhere. <laughs> Quite literally. Um, so, I have a really weird question. What do you think would make Slivers a tier one legacy deck? Tier one legacy? I don't know. I don't know enough about legacy to answer that. I don't know. They uh, enough slivers to so that counterbalance can always counter everything with your slivers. I guess. <laughs> is that just because you know counterbalance is a card in legacy? Well, it's absurd. <laughs> I'm sure there are not enough like two, three, four. Five, you know, like yeah, uh, yeah. That's the what chain. I think. They probably need like good, really good one drop. Yeah, really good one drop for sure. Go ahead, Austin. Uh, yeah. Well, I'm Austin from Sacramento, California. I was uh, wondering if Jimmy can talk about his new job with Disney XD. Oh, sure. I can briefly talk about it. Um, I recently announced that I booked a, uh, I'm hosting a new show on Disney XD. It's going to be aired July 15th. It's like a group gaming show. We bring in a lot of uh, people from the YouTube world and a lot of celebrities from the celebrity world. We had, for instance, Nolan Gold from Modern Family on one of the episodes. And it's just a bunch of us playing video games in a big warehouse with a lot of people hanging around and doing sweet competitions and just getting as silly as possible. So please watch it. Hi, my name's Dan. I'm from Hayward, California. I wanted to ask about um, what are the craziest house rules that you've ever played under, and what's the craziest magic variant that you've ever possibly done in a house or just a normal fun game? It has Thanks. to be Plane Chase for us. And it has to be when they first flipped the Eldrazi thing and everyone got a 7-7, seven, seven, I think, except for one person. I like how you say that that's the crazy one, and I'm like, no, man, that's like every weekend. <laughs> like, what's the problem here? We, uh, when I was really starting to play Magic when I was a kid, it was like 94, the game hadn't been out, we, we came up with a variant called Blind Magic. So everyone played behind like a book thing, and you could just, you told people how much mana you were tapping, that's it, and then I'm playing something. And so you would attack people blind, and then you would only reveal the card if they blocked. And it didn't, we didn't really fix all the rules, but it was the craziest magic variant I've ever played. Hi, my name is Newman from Houston, Texas, and I want to ask y'all, what are the most effective strategies in Commander that are the easiest to get off the ground? That are, sorry, what's the last part of that question? That are the easiest to get off the ground? Oh. Um, geez, Infect? <laughs> no, no, that's not don't, effective. Don't tell them that, jeez. Um, I don't know. Drawing cards, I think, is one of the most effective things you can do in Commander, yeah. and it gives you the most options. So ramp. Ramp and card draw. Just play Simic and just get those two things going, and you'll have a plethora of options in every game. Yeah, I think one of those is just, like, what's the thing not to do? And it's always scary being the aggressor, like the first one out the gate, because then you're, like, the number one threat, and everyone's like, oh, yeah, you know, we're just automatically attacking this person. Yeah. So it's just, like, lay low, build your board, maybe turtle up a little bit. Draw a bunch of cards. Yeah. Oh, play at instant speed, Vidalcan Ori. That is the number one card that everyone should have in every deck. Number one? You're my number one card. Yeah, my number one card. All right, thanks for the question. Uh, hi, guys. My name is uh, Nick. Uh, I'm from Shreveport, Louisiana. Um, one of my favorite memories from Magic is burning out a whole table with six copies of Goblin Game. Nice. Uh, <laughs> so uh, what's your... Go to just fun card to like spice up uh, a game of commander. Oh boy, <clears throat> warp world. No, there we go. Just kidding. I, I don't know. Yeah, I think I think anything that adds a little chaos, coin flips. Rouse Eric's coin flips, I think, are hilarious. I like mine's dilation. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's I find myself just tutoring for it, even though it's like I don't know. It's not maybe the best card in this situation, but I just want to play that card. 
Yeah. Yeah, I'm legitimately on that work world plan. Thanks for the question. Thanks. Yeah. Nice dipper hat. Uh, thank you. Um, I'm Dippy Fresh from your Discord server. Pleasure to meet you guys. Oh, nice to meet you too. Yeah. Um, so you my rock. Oh, <laughs> thank you. Um, I just wanted to ask, um, on the topic of altered cards and stuff, um, of all your generals that you have at the moment, um, what would you, if you could get somebody like Van Gogh or somebody to alter your card to something amazing, what would you alter them to? Because as an example, I have a Narset deck, sorry, and I would totally, totally make her Bruce Lee if I could. Uh -huh. I just want to hear what you I want to alter a card to be one of Mel's cosplays. That would be sick. Uh, so I'll take that. I'll do that. Maybe not the commander, but I think it would be a great honor. No. I, I would be honored, personally. Sick. The Tezzeret one. Yeah. I want Mel's Tezzeret. That or Sarkin. Just... I like the Sarkin one. My name is Matt Burke from uh, Orlando, Florida. And uh, I just wanted to tell you guys that uh, we started our competitive EDH, and I wanted to know how you guys kind of felt about that. Um, part of the reason we did it was because some people had decks that they frankly just couldn't play in our standard Saturday friendlies. Um, and so we started to kind of use it as a funnel system to get salt out of our system and like a desalinator and then there you can be as savage as you want without having to worry about any repercussions. Um, just want to know what you guys thought about that and maybe more of our casual people who are having that issue in other communities could start maybe using that method to ease that problem. And also, um, for you have a Nekusar deck, correct? Yeah. Yeah, play that with a Caridor player, we love that, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> no, I actually think this is an awesome idea because, yeah, for that exact reason, like, I've got a bunch of busted decks that I do want to play. It, it all just depends on, like, being able to find the right number of super competitive people at the same time. Yeah, for sure. I mean, get them together. I, I would say try it out and tell people it's the option or give them a deck to play to try it out themselves. Thanks for the question. Hi, I'm Jacob from Redmond, Washington. Uh, I have a playgroup that meets and we, everybody arrives around or throughout like an hour and a half period. And so sometimes we get into situations where people can't play for a long time because the game is just getting underway or something like that. Is there a good solution to this problem that you guys have encountered? Have more people. <laughs> I think just like try and get as many people playing as possible and you'll be better. All right, we have four minutes left, so we probably won't be able to take a few questions. Please make your questions fast. We'll make our answers fast as well. Hi, uh, whoa, there, there we go. Hello, I'm Heliod, god of the sun, all the way from Theros. And, uh, what's the deal with enchantments? Like, seriously, they are the most underpowered archetype, uh, underpowered card type in the entirety of Commander. So, for that reason, I'm just wondering if there is anything guys, you guys think could be done to further power up enchantments to sort of take them out of being this support support archetype that could make them do more than a prison or pillow fort strategy. What, what, what do you think could really be done to up the power level on enchantments? Uh, I'm going to say something that might be slightly controversial, but I actually think enchantments are super powerful in Commander because I encounter a lot of board wipes that are like, Taking out creatures. Yeah, I but, agree. Um, but yeah, like enchantments, I don't see a lot of like, you know, take out all permanents played all the time. Yeah. Um, also, like gods being um, enchantment creatures, like those are awesome cards to play as commanders. Yeah. They're indestructible. There's a lot of cool build around tactics that you can use with them. So I actually think enchantments in commander are super fun and, and pretty, pretty, pretty powerful. evenly powered. Agreed. Really quickly here, Vinny is going to start just handing out some of the stuff on the table to people in the audience. If you haven't received something because of a question or whatever, just let him know. Uh, he's got some stuff to hand out. 
Uh, please, if you have gotten something already, you know, let people who haven't got something get And let's make sure something. we get our friends in the line as well have been standing. Yeah, let's All make right. sure everybody that's going to ask a question is still going to get something done. All right, we only have a couple minutes, so please, quickly. All right, um, this might be a little longer than a question. I hope it's not. Uh, I'm Glenn Armour from Los Angeles. I've been listening to your show for a while, and I've been using your politics tactics a lot. And my playgroup actually targets me for specifically using politic tactics. So they immediately say, if I say anything, if it's not just trying to be like, there these are the targets or whatever, they'll immediately target me because I've said anything. How do you solve that? Yeah, uh, they're on to you, man. You got you to gotta cool it off for a while. Yeah. Or encourage them to politic as well. And, of course, if they call you out for something, you are allowed to call them out for that same thing, if that makes sense. Exactly. So. Okay. Buy them lunch. Yeah. Start politicking right. outside of the game when yeah, they can't exactly. target you. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Ask, yeah. Kenny, ask Kenny up there about that. <laughs> I like to start politicking when we're, like, walking to the table. <laughs> Hi. Um, I'm Carlos from Albuquerque. And just a really quick, fun question. What non-legendary creature would you errata to legendary and what deck would you build around that creature oh geez yeah nephilim's a great answer i think that'd be awesome so, some people play them as legendaries but yeah i'd love to see some of the crazier color combinations or you know fate stitcher make that legendary all right mm, <laughs> hi i'm uh, luke from oakland and i wanted to ask how do you combat really polarizing two-card combos in, like, two-player commander, like uh, Micaeus and, like, Triskelion combo sort of thing? And, like, does four-player commander make that, like, easier to combat? Four-player definitely makes it easier. You have more cards to have access to stop it. Um, otherwise, you know, I think there's nothing you can really do about two-card combos. It's just whether or not you and the people you're playing with agree to or not use them. I mean, you can build your deck to have more answers to that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Hello, my name is Spencer O'Keefe. I'm from Tucson, Arizona. Um, so, KT Bros, uh, Kaneos and Tiro, they're an openly homosexual couple, and I feel like that's kind of cool having that um, as part of our community, but like magic community or, you know, LGBT, whatever community. Um, what controversial topic would you guys want to advocate for um, to be like sort of a, a cool thing for magic? Uh, toxicity. I'd like to see a card be like, I am anti-toxicity. I am a good person, and you should be good, too. Maybe Canadian Terry World peace, that. that's good, yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Joseph, the birthday boy. I, I don't know if you can reach the mic. <laughs> Pull it out for him. Stand on your tippy toes. There you go, buddy. Hey, buddy. What's the story based on the missing three gods of home and cat? Uh, <laughs> we, we don't know. But they seem really cool. Well, wait, cool. Well, let's be clear. One of us up here knows. <laughs> You'll find out more by reading but, Magic Story. <laughs> but that one person's not allowed to say anything, unfortunately. Happy birthday <laughs> to wait. you. His birthday is the secret to the three missing gods. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for the question. All right, guys, we are literally running out of time, so... Fire away, fire away. Fire away. <laughs> my, name, my name is Anakin, and I'm from Hellendale, California. Will we see Kaladish items on Almond Cat that Tezzeret stole? We can't answer that, but let's I'm say I'm going to guess yes. Yes, I'm going to But I have yes. no inside knowledge, so I could totally be wrong. All right, next question. question. Thank you. Hey, uh, I'm a foodie, so uh, what's your guys' favorite restaurant in Vegas? 
Where do you Ooh. go? Yeah, where do you go? Quick suggestions. Uh, Lotus Anybody? of Siam is really, really good. Hash House of Go Go is good for breakfast. Um, Delmonico Steakhouse is the most underrated steakhouse. Okay. Sakana is really good. All you can eat sushi. Bacchanal is the best buffet. Okay. All right, you guys rock. Uh, I'm just going to advocate that Josh has amazing taste in food. So, uh, <laughs> plus one to all those choices. Yep. Hi, uh, my name is Elizabeth from Houston, Texas. And my question is if you could pick a new color uh, for magic, what would it be? Purple. Isn't that already Liliana? Aha. Orange. I'm Tim from San Diego. When you get sick of a deck, how do you make it more fun? Um, I give it to a friend and have them play it and see what they think about it. Or I will just take it apart, honestly. I check out the shelf of half-made commander decks that's always full and uh, try to actually complete one of them. Everybody should listen to Tim and Kenny's podcast, by the way, Flavor Fail. Go ahead. All right. Uh, Last one. Hi, I'm Jacob. Uh, I was wondering if you guys would... Uh, how to say it. Never mind. Never mind. <laughs> I was wondering if I would too, and the answer is yes. Yeah? Oh, wait, yeah. wait, 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 wait. Okay. Yes, you can have that huge bag that's right down by your left foot. Cool. But um, would you suggest people have multiple commanders that they can switch between different uh, in-games to adjust the power level of their deck? Oh, so you have the same deck, change. but you switch the commander? Yeah. Yeah, that's a good idea. I've seen some people do that, and uh, I think it's fun. It also can be tricky where you obfuscate what it is exactly you're playing when your playgroup kind of gets yeah. to know your deck too much. Yeah. Cool. All right. Wow. You guys are awesome. Thank you for all the questions. Thank you so much for being here. A very quick end step where we talk about something cool outside the world of magic. Oh, yeah. Got to do the end step. There's a podcast called the Up and Vanished podcast. It's kind of like Serial, which I've talked about before. Should definitely check that one out. We have to get out of here, so I can't expand much. Up and Vanished podcast. Check it out. Um, make sure also to check out our sister podcast, The Masters of Modern. Alex Kessler and Ben Bateman are walking around here. Ben's very easy to spot because he's always dressed to the nines in an awesome suit. Alex is usually dressed like the rest of us. You can find them on Twitter at the MMCast or right next to us at Collected.Company. Our editor for the show is Terry Robertson. He's there today. Make sure you give him a big thanks and big special thank you to Jeffrey Palmer at Living Cards MTG, who is also walking around the convention. So if you see them, give them a hug, give them a high five. And of course, thank you all so much. Thank you, Mel, for joining us on the panel today. You and guys thanks are the best. to Cassius Marsh. Yes. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. Thanks for attending. And we will see you next time. Peace. For further inquiries, send an email to commandcast at rocketjump.com or ask us on Twitter at JF Wong and at Josh Lee Kwai. See you later, alligator. Greetings, humans. <laughs> <laughs> Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs done well. I absolutely love this because you know if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app 
answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly. Which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.